Welcome back to Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for a lack of insight and for baseless opinion. Today is Seis de Mayo 2019, and this is episode 266. My name is Jake English. And I am Scott Magnus. And on this week's show, we will, uh, well, we'll ask the important questions. And uh, we'll try to determine if baseball was actually played this week in Birdland. You're all wet. Speaking of which, let's wet the whistle. Uh, it's time for the drink of the week. Scott Magnus, what are you drinking? Uh, Jake, I am drinking a puck face. Whoa, careful there, Chief. Enunciation. This is a puck Puck, puck not a PH. Puck. And uh, I assume this is some sort of fancy beer? Uh, this is a beer from Roar Brewing. Uh, sour with cherries and lime. Uh, 4.4%. Uh, and of course, a uh, iteration off of the famous 1987 Fleer Billy Ripken card. Okay. I like most everything about the card or the beer, except for the, uh, except for it being a sour. Yeah. Yeah. You lost me there. I, in, in, uh, in reference to Sace de Mayo, am drinking leftover margarita, uh, which, you know, we'll get the job done. Get the job done. Absolutely. If you're interested to see what we are drinking beer wise, uh, come join us on Untapped. I'm at Jake E4025. And I'm at MAGN8606. And with that, Let's go ahead and dive on over into the medical wing. Time for your checkup, time for your checkup. I'm gonna check your ears, check your eyes, find out how much you've grown. Time for your checkup. Gonna listen to your heartbeat, fix you up, ready to go. Time for your checkup. It's okay if you giggle. All right, Jake. So not too much new stuff has occurred, um, but a few kind of updates. Cobb was out throwing the ball around in the infield yesterday. Um, No real indication of when he's going to start his rehab assignments. Richard Blyer, though, good old Dickie B, um, was out there indicating that, you know, he's probably going to come back for rehab starts and, you know, probably come back out for five appearances before coming back in. So maybe one to two weeks away. I'm assuming it's probably closer to two weeks, but it's good to see Dickie B maybe uh, finally starting to come off the mend. Yeah, we like to see that. The next update is, well, Scott, it's two thumbs up. And this is, of course, for Austin Hayes, who's struggling with a thumb injury. Started in center field and played six innings in an extended spring training game, which is his first action back this season. Uh, that's fun. That's that's great. Uh, and that means, you know, maybe he'll be called up in August. Yeah. 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 Well, it's a good thing, though, that we have such a dominant center field platoon in um you know joey rickard oh wait uh, stevie wilkerson oh wait um a trash bag yeah 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 well at least we have adam jones mm. Mm. nate carnes is still doing his stuff he's still nate carnes mark trumbo made an appearance though uh coming out and throwing with alice cobb on the game before sunday it's good to see him great yeah, yeah. okay Still pretty healthy. Pretty healthy. I mean, are. out of the top three, Alex Cobb, Richard Blyer, Austin Hayes, which one do you want to see back as soon as possible? Well, I mean, as soon as possible, I don't know. But I, I can tell you, I want Alex Cobb, right? Alex Cobb is the most uh, influential member of, of that trio. I think, obviously, Richard Blyer is an important cog in the bullpen, but you need fewer bullpen appearances when you have a pitcher like Alex Cobb, who can go, you know, six, seven innings when he's right. So 
Do you think there's any possibility that Austin Hayes maybe just gets the call up and just said, you know, Cedric Mullins obviously isn't playing very well. You know, as soon as Austin Hayes is ready, he just said, they just do all say, we want you to chance in center field. We're just going to put you right into center field and see what happens. Yeah, I think it's possible. Or does it come back to the point where the Orioles have, again, not pushed their minor leaguers to the major leagues right away? Does it make sense, again, for Austin Hayes, again, go to over to Bowie or Norfolk and just basically get the innings there? I think if his if his uh, rehab assignments go well, then he'll he'll make it to the big club. Only because, you know, Cedric Mullins, uh, you know, it's his job to lose and he screwed up. Um, I think if Austin Hayes does all the things that he's supposed to do, they'll give him a shot because why not? What if he screws up? Then, then they can, he gets nothing. Yes. He loses. Yes. Good day, sir. And may God have mercy on his soul. All right. Well, now that Jake has turned down, um, some of our prospects, uh, let's go to 280 characters less this week on the Twitters. Jake, why don't you start us off? Yeah, this one, I I think they stole directly from us scotty and i'm a little bitter this is a tweet that comes from jeff zimmerman who of course tweets at jeff w zimmerman i ran out of my normal podcasts and retried one over 10 minutes into the pod and not one mention of baseball i just quit it please talk about mainly baseball on a baseball podcast or just call it two lonely dudes talking and scotty i can think of no better way to describe this show than two lonely dudes talking Jeff Zimmerman, we are extremely apologetic uh, for the performance on this podcast, but frankly, we are just two lonely dudes talking in our mother's basement. And, and really, when we talk about baseball, it's two lonely dudes talking about baseball. Yeah, and in fact, it's probably a bunch of lonely dudes and gals listening to this podcast as well. So join, this, the, join the community. This makes me sad on a number of levels, Scotty, because I don't know uh, if listeners will remember, but I was really disappointed to find out that there was a Baltimore Ons podcast. Very disappointed. Because I wanted to name our show Baltimore Ons. Yeah. Um, so I, much so that when the, our logo got changed this year for April Fool's, you weren't quite sure what had happened. I was. I did not know. <laughs> um, but I, I'm even You're more... like, dreams do come true. <laughs> there is magic in this world. Did we go back in time? Uh, I'm you were like Marty McFly going to his garage and seeing the black truck and being like, wait, so it wasn't a dream? I was straight off the train. Uh, I'm a little disappointed that we did not call our podcast Two Lonely Dudes Talking. I think that would have been a different connotation. <laughs> All right. This next tweet comes from Carrie Leons. You can follow her at Kara Rose. And it goes as follows. The voice of at Wave It Bye Bye might be gone from the radio. But it's forever with me. And it's this uh, tattoo, it looks like, on the arm of uh, a radio, an old-school radio, uh, blasting out in the wind column. So, Jake, I asked you this question. Uh, what is the weirdest decision you've ever made in your life? Uh, we don't have that kind of time. Otherwise, this would be two lonely dudes talking. Yeah, and there are kids listening. There are kids listening. I will say that one of my favorite worst memories is um, jumping on a not inflated moon bounce and almost breaking my coccyx. See, I was thinking it was more of, let me go ahead and try to repair this slingshot. (laughs) That was also a pretty good one. Folks, if you want to hear those stories about two lonely guys talking, let us know, and we will record a special episode where Jake tells you in instances just, where he has injured himself. horrible, <laughs> horrible injuries from me being dumb. All right, uh, next, we're going to take a tweet that is really all about the small things. This is a tweet from Sean Corcoran. Uh, Sean Corcoran, I was right the first time, at DK745. Uh, DK745, why are you not at your post? 
Orioles gave out free ponchos tonight, too. I've never seen them do that before, but I appreciate it. With a a, a picture of the rain poncho, apparently provided by the Baltimore Orioles. You know what? Sponsored by Sarasota. You may not get much from this team, but when you do, hold it dearly. I, I think, though, that's the kind of little things that the Orioles don't have to do. And they're going out of their way to say, hey, thanks for coming out to the park. Here's a little bit of extra in order to make up for it. So, uh, No, I disagree. I disagree entirely. Okay. This is for the fans' protection, all right? They are handing out those ponchos so that when this team clinches the AL East and the champagne is flowing, that those fans will not be soaked on the way home. So they were provided by Mark Trumbo. <laughs> oh, sorry. Apparently, I'm way too many margaritas to eat. Yeah. Please go. Uh, so this next one, uh, I'm, I'm kind of un- unsure about this one. Is this a bigger story than I think it is? This tweet comes from John Mioli, at John Mioli, and it's Red Sox manager Alex Cora says decision to skip White House visit made with a lot of conviction. So Alex Cora has decided to not go and visit the White House because of, you know, talking to family members that are part of Puerto Rico and obviously the whole situation with the White House and uh, our president, you know, not giving the necessary funding or, you know, appreciation, as it were, to how serious the situation was in Puerto Rico. Um, I mean, is this a bigger deal than it is? I feel like there's a bunch of sports teams that have kind of skipped out. Like, is, I, is I this think, any new? I think that's the point. The point is that this is happening a lot. And frankly, you know, when the White House switches parties, you'll have plenty of of uh, sports stars not going to the White House because of whatever. No. I don't think it's a big deal. And frankly, I think this is something that we we make into okay. a big deal. Yeah, I I the only thing I thought that was interesting out of this was that um, you know, David Price did post out there saying that, you know, the members of the team that are going to go to the White House, um, it really did kind of split down racial lines where a bunch of the white members of the White Sox would be going to the White House. Um, some of the other folks basically said, No, we're not going to attend. But again, I feel like this story is a bigger deal. And I feel like since it's the Red Sox and it's the Boston media, we are going to blow it out of proportion accordingly. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this is this is the kind of red meat the country lives for right yeah. now. All right. Next, we've got a tweet from the Delmarva Shorebirds. Scotty, let's uh, let's try not to read too much into this. I don't want to be too excited. The tweet goes as, for, as follows. At Shorebirds, by the way. A perfect trip. The Shorebirds win all seven games in Columbia and Asheville, finishing off the tourists 6-1 for the sweep. Back to Delmarva at 24-4. and Hashtag fly together. I'm very disappointed that you did not read that in old-timey radio voice. <laughs> okay. Like in the transatlantic uh, accent? Absolutely. All right. Sorry. Sorry. Next time. Next time. Make, make radio magic. Okay. All right. It's great. There you go. Thank you. All right. Uh, so obviously there was a bunch of other stories that kind of was going on this week. The most notorious one is, um, you know, the articles that came out on Friday in regards to the mass decision and then the kerfuffle, as it were, that occurred on Saturday on uh, local sports media. Um, you know, let's unpackage that story, as it were, um, and talk about somewhat of the insanity of that given topic.
So, Scotty, I have a confession to make. Okay. Uh, I went camping with the Cub Scouts this weekend. Okay. So uh, not Boy Scouts, Cub Scouts. Cub Scouts. Cub Scouts. It was uh, it was very big, tremendously big and tremendously wet. This what weekend. is the difference between a Cub Scout and a Boy Scout? Uh, Cub I, Sc- I ask because I've been banned from the Boy Scouts. Cub, Cub Scouts are elementary school students. Okay. Boy Scouts are middle and high. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, so I was camping. It was wet. Are Weeblows a thing? Yeah, Weeblows are Cub Scouts. Okay. What the heck is a Weeblow? It's a, it's a fourth and a fifth grader. Yeah, but what is actually a Weeblow? It, it, this is turning into two lonely guys talking. I know. It's We Be Loyal Scouts. Really? Yeah, that's a real thing, apparently. That kind of sounds lame. It, it's pretty lame. Okay. Yeah. Continue on. Okay. So I was tremendously big and tremendously wet this weekend. Um, I beg your pardon? Yeah, you heard me. Should I isolate uh, that out? But I missed all of the baseball that took place this weekend. And so I, I was in poor reception land and I was, uh, I was, you know, busy. But when I got back to my phone, I, I started seeing weird tweets, weird updates, things talking about, you know, well, if the Orioles ever left town or I would react this way or I would feel this way. And I thought to myself, what in the name of God did I miss? So I want to talk about this, Scotty, but I want to talk about this in, in the lens of two things. One, I am really upset that this came from local radio because that's our gig. And let me explain. You would expect the official media partner of the Baltimore Orioles, a terrestrial radio station, to have the professional uh, uh, chops to keep a story like this from rippling across a local media market. And you would expect the um, the has-beens and never-wers that do podcasts and social media and new media to be the ones irresponsibly fomenting panic among a fan base watching a terrible club. So don't encroach our territory, 105.7 The Fan. But apparently this was uh, some radio guest who, in passing, uh, mentioned a thing about a thing. That's the story? Yeah. Look, the team is awful. The team is exceptionally bad, and it's going to be bad for a while, for years. So we're just going to have to deal with stuff like this. Can we, let, let's let's cue it because it, I can't it, believe we have to talk about. This. Let's let's talk about this briefly. So, um, obviously, news breaks on Friday in regards to um, Baltimore Sun with Jeff Barker putting out a uh, an article uh, specifically talking about. Um, Mid-Atlantic Sports Network must pay Washington Nationals tens of millions of dollars in order to, you know, basically, you know, finish off this arbitration process, as it were, because Major League Baseball has finally come back and said, yep, you actually do owe money accordingly to the Nationals. Great. Good. Here's a lot. There's a lot of interesting things here. And again, I, I don't think we're going to get the complete, you know, understanding of this because there's sealed documents here. And, you know, until they were kind of exposed as they were, we're not going to know. But this whole argument, as it were, comes back down to um, the Orioles had a belief that, you know, you know, rights fees had to be paid to the Nationals accordingly to a board's methodology. And the board's methodology um, is a very simplistic formula. But it, it, as simplistic as this is, it says, if you are going to run this business, your media business has to be able to achieve at least a 20% profit. No team has ever basically got it under 20% via the board's, board's methodology. So... For example, if you're looking at the profitability within, you know, Boston area versus uh, the Detroit area, uh, it would scale accordingly from a media distribution deal standpoint. But again, the given 
media conglomerate, aka Midlandic Sports Network, would have to turn a 20% profit. Well, you know, the Nationals, when they first did this, came back and they said, no, 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 we're not, we're not going to buy into that. Um, you know, by the board's methodology, you would be asking for $200 million. We actually want $590 million because that's what LA is getting and we're close to what LA is in terms of size. So that's what we think we should be getting. And obviously that was completely preposterous. Um, so, you know, back in the day with the RSDC, uh, and this was, of course, the panel that was um, comprised, comprised of multiple MLB uh, groups, um, including an MLB attorney. And they came back and said, no, you're going to owe around $298 million, so $100 million more um, over this period of time. And this has kind of been this whole aspect, this $100 million. Um, so it, it looks like, on first inclination, that if the Orioles are going to owe another $100 million, it looks like, well... I guess we finally decided that MLB was right and that the Orioles are going to go back to $290 million. But I don't think it's quite that simple. You know, reading through Jeff Barker's article, um, they actually did use the board's methodology. So what I think is going on here is um, I think, you know, when the Orioles put together their five-year period for the $198 million, I think they were conservatively saying, we think we're going to be making this amount of money. And now that we're far enough into 2019 – you know, if you're going to be filing tax filings, you know exactly how much money you basically made through 2012, 2013, 2014, 2015, 2016. So now they're coming back and saying, well, now that our books are completely done, we actually are going to pay you $298 million be the board's model, and we're still going to get this 20% methodology. So I think it's more of a basis of, I think this is actually a win for the Orioles, in, in essence, where... If the board's methodology is being used in the future for 2017, 2018, 2019, and 2020, being able to establish a methodology that, again, is offering a 20% profit margin as opposed to the RSDC-approved aspect, which was around 5 to 10% profit margin, I think that's a lot bigger deal. But everyone saw this and said, oh my gosh, the Orioles owe a lot of money. This is going to be a big deal for the future sanctity of you know, the Orioles organization, as it were. Find all the Mayflower trucks and stop them where they are. So then, you know, this kind of escalated further into 105.7. I was actually listening to the show on Saturday uh, with Bruce Cunningham, and they had this attorney uh, come on, Benjamin Neal, and he was talking about the whole legal proceedings and got a bunch of things wrong. And then he talked about the Orioles, and he said, well, you know, the Orioles have this open, you know, bid out there um, where, you know, someone has said, you know, for $3 billion, they would, you know, potentially buy the team and move this to Las Vegas. And again, the name of this lawyer's name is Benjamin Neal, and he came in and was talking to it. So, uh, Jake, uh, Benjamin Neal, um, you know, just wanted to kind of dive into this because it's like, okay, if you're having talk with Bruce Cunningham, you're probably somewhat of a individual in the know from Baltimore, correct? Um, so Benjamin Neal, um, was a former Towson University legal studies professor um, who resigned in 2013 as a chairman of the city school systems ethics panel amid plagiarism uh, allegations. Um, And then in 2015, um, he was appointed to a liquor board chair uh, by Governor Hogan and now does basically consultant work on the side while still kind of doing some previous work with the liquor board. So seems like a, a, a really um, great guy um, to do. So yeah, great. You, 
you missed an important part of sure. the story here. If you if you click actually to the next link, yeah, go ahead. There's actually a a anonymous offer. Oh, okay. To buy Benjamin Neal for three billion dollars. There it is. Yes, and move him to Las Vegas. So I mean, I I, I just come back to the point of I, I don't see what the big deal is here. It's obviously someone that is basically again fluffing up a story because they want to basically sound like they're in the know. And we see this all the time with you know Australian bloggers, as it were. Um, so again, why are we making a bigger deal out of this than we than we should be? It, it's not that big of a deal. I, I really, I think it's psychology. It okay. plays up to our worst fear. Sure, right? Orioles fans right now have faced the dark ages. Right, we know what losing for a long period of time looks like. Mm-hmm. We also know what it's like to lose a professional sports franchise. Sure, right, and so it is very difficult to watch another dark ages happen without thinking in the back of your mind, "Oh my God, could it happen again?" Well, so I, I get that, but I think to play into the worst fears is is rather upsetting. Can Can I go back to Masson sure. for a second? I, I think that the real question that we have to ask ourselves are this. Is relocation a viable option, period? Baltimore is not, I would argue, the town in the most dire straits as far as Major League Baseball is concerned. As far as Major League Baseball is concerned. Right. Yeah, right. Yes, as far as baseball is concerned. Let's (laughs) let's put in perspective, and I think this is where people are thinking, you know, we're looking at the stadium. Obviously, we see a bunch of seats empty. We're looking at the downtown area, and ultimately you're like, okay, you know— City again is going to be three hundred top uh, three hundred plus murders. You know you've got a political situation which is completely up in the air. Um, you know you've got you know talk about police corruption. It's just a general mess right now in the city, as it were. Um, but let's be honest, it's been a mess for the past ten years. I mean, this is nothing new. I mean, the city is the city, um, a-, a city I love. But as you as you discussed. A mess. Yeah, it's it's you know like uh, an American University uh, you know uh, fencing party basically. It's a mess. But you have you have uh, I, I would argue you know the the Rays are in much worse uh, situation sure. except for the wins and losses of yeah. course. You know there was a doubleheader in Chicago the other day and there were like seventy people in the seats. Yep. Uh, I don't think the I'm sorry, Chicago a major sports town? No, no, of course okay. not. No, of course gotcha. not. But I I would argue though that this is not a, a problem. That was a couple of years in the making, right. right? This attendance problem that the Orioles have was a problem that was 20 years in the making, right? And the Orioles and Major League Baseball were content to let the franchise rot. And Major League Baseball has been content to watch several franchises rot. You look at Houston and what they did when they tanked. You know, that was a 54-win team that came all the way back. But in the meantime, it was pretty ugly attendance-wise. I, I think the question is, uh, is a lack of... I I don't want to make this sound like a parody discussion, but we're at a point now where not fielding a competitive team is a common strategy for getting through to becoming competitive again. And baseball seems to be okay with that. And the teams announced this to their fans. And so why would fans show up? Sure. Right? So I think the real question is, is Baltimore a viable major league city? And and I would argue yes. But beyond that, I would ask you this. Is Baltimore a viable major league city in whatever the economy is going to be after the cable bubble? Right? Because with the rate at which people are unplugging and all the crazy money that's in, in cable, that is clearly going to come to an end. 
And at some point, that is going to come to a screeching halt, and baseball is going to have to figure out what the next revenue stream is, major revenue stream is. And so the question is, can can Baltimore compete in that economy? And I, I come back to this point, and we've talked about this before um, from a revenue standpoint, and I think Major League Baseball already has that. I think Major League Baseball is ready to pull the trigger when it is necessary, and I think it's MLB Advanced Media. I, I think you know it's a billion-dollar industry. You've always, already got several companies lined up to do it. I think as the technology advances and as folks become, you know, less inclined to have cable packages, less inclined to have ESPN, I think we're going to see, you know, similar to what we've seen with uh, MLB Network, where MLB Network becomes a digital platform. And in essence, you basically subscribe to MLB, just like you would HBO, and you get all the MLB Network, you get all the archive games, and you can basically dial in just like you would a Netflix or streaming to any game that you want to and it costs you let's say it's twenty dollars a month and you get it to watch whatever baseball game you would want baseball needs to make its money off two lonely guys talking absolutely and, and they will yeah the, the next thing that i would i would ask you is is it more likely that baseball will contract stay the same or expand now you look back to 2001 yep right um the game was kind of a mess sure. after September 11th, right? Like in the 2000, 2001 area, game was kind of a mess. And there was a lot of talk about contracting two franchises. It was supposed to be a secret, but it was uh, the Expos and it was the Twins, mm-hmm. right? They moved the Expos somewhere. I don't remember where. Um, and the Twins survived, right? And now you don't so much hear about contraction. You don't hear about you know, oh, let's contract Baltimore or Tampa or Kansas, uh, Kansas City or, you know, whatever. You hear, well, what other markets are ripe for baseball? Maybe we could expand to Portland or Charlotte, right? I think that there's more money to be made in baseball in expanding into those markets and keeping the mid-level markets that they're comfortable with rather than relocation or contraction. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, you know, attendance in the ballpark is going to be a huge deal. And you know, I'm looking at the Orioles attendance this year. We're at 15,000 attendance per game, which actually is better than I was expecting it to be, honestly. Um, you know, I, I look at other teams that are around there. You've got the Rays, the Royals, the Indians, the Twins, Detroit, the White Sox, and then Oakland goes up to 19,000. But again, you've got a ton of teams in the American League. And then the National League, you've got Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, Miami, and then Washington, even as of right now, is at 27000 So definitely a significant bump up. But, I mean, you're talking about a team that spent $208 million on payroll, a team that is, in essence, all in with a lot of exciting young talent. And a perennial winner. And a perennial winner. And, again, they lost Bryce Harper, but they've got a lot of great talent to build around. So you've got a team, in essence, that, that are being told from you know a few miles south of us saying, this is a sports town, and it's a better baseball town than Baltimore. And in reality, I just don't see it. So, you know, the Orioles and Baltimore are going to be floating always around, let's say, this fifteen to 25,000 number. You know, there's not going to be a situation where the team is going to go out there and pull in 40,000 plus every single night. All right. I, I hear you say that. But they went through a winning a winning streak of you know, a winning period of about five years, yes. right? Where they were a pretty good team. Yeah. Not a great, well, maybe 2014 they were a great team, yeah. but a pretty good team. They were a pretty good team after 
losing a lot of the fan base yep. after lose after burning through a lot of loyalty. Yep. I do not I do not uh have a, a lack of understanding for attendance during that period. Now I was gonna say we can pull up the last thirteen podcasts that talked about attendance in this given regard. Yeah. But you're absolutely right. I mean we think back to two thousand twelve and we think about you're finally seeing a winning team and what do the Orioles do? They're offering still discounted packages for people to come out and cheer for the team in 2012 in September. So we're going to have a rough patch. Sure. Right. We're going to lose for five years, whatever it is. If fans see the process work out, if the Orioles come back to being competitive, and if the Orioles are able to sustain that for some time without falling back into being a terrible team again, I, I think there will be windows where the Orioles for two or three years are pulling in 38,000 people on average. It'll be short in sure. a town like this. But I think if you can com- uh, convince the fan base that the long stretches of 14 years are behind us mm-hmm. and that the worst they're going to experience are three to five years, then I, I do think that people buy in. Because baseball is much more affordable than football. Sure. Right? And we have no problem filling the stadium across the park. Uh, I mean, even though last year you look at it at Raven Stadium and, you know, you look across the field and you're just like, okay, there's a ton of seats open. You know, three or four years ago, I would completely agree with you that it was an event, as it were. But, of course, with, you know, some of the political, you know, climate, as it were, that came up through football. And, again, there is just a ability for folks to basically sit down and now watch stuff on their, you know, ultra-high-definition television and say, I don't need to worry about this. This is a lot simpler for me just to watch the game at home and do it, which again is why digital platform streaming is going to be the wave of the future. Let me ask you this. And sure. you know, we've danced around politics, but uh, not only are some of the issues that you mentioned about the city happening, but there's also population loss. Absolutely. Right. Um, and, and I'm one to say, well, you know, the Baltimore area has 2.7 million people. When you look at Towson, Columbia, Baltimore, whatever that Metro area is, it's 2.7 sure. million people. But you and I have to plan to go to Camden Yards. Yep. Right. If you and I lived in Fell, uh, Fells Hill, uh, Fells Hill, Fells Federal Point. Hill or yeah. Fells Point, you know, if we lived in Canton, if we lived in Pigtown, for instance, sure. oh, maybe, um, we would walk there. Yeah. You know, we, we would go to a lot more games. So I, I do think that there is the, the casual fan that can simply go with minimal planning that probably does impact. But, but I really think that sustained winning fixes so many problems. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, you know, I think it's also a big thing, and we've talked about this before for the Nationals, but like, I still feel like as an individual that works within the private sector, there is just that that need or people or, or business aspect where businesses say, I want to go and have season tickets for the Baltimore Orioles. It's not necessarily for the clients that they're bringing in to it. If they want to bring clients in, they're going to go buy Red Sox tickets and they're going to go buy Yankees tickets to that game and then they'll take their clients to it, but they're not going to have season tickets it's a huge difference from when it was before in DC where you had a lot of clients within the Laurel area um, or Dietrich or um, you know, any of the bases around the, in the area saying, okay, we're going to go ahead and shuttle up contractors into this area and, and, and go to the ballpark. So, you know, you look at, you know, when you go South of Laurel and you go into the DC suburbs and you look at the buildings that are out there and you're like, wow, the amount of money that is, you know, South of Columbia, as it were, Versus the money that is north of Columbia, uh, let's call it, you know, Catonsville to Happy Grace, and it's completely different. Like, it's a completely different, you know, environment, a completely different population 
the median income is completely different. And yeah, there are groups and pockets there where it's going to be big and like in, in Towson and Ellicott City. But on a whole, it's a blue collar metropolitan area. Wait, wait, wait. Are you saying that Major League Baseball stole the jewel of the Orioles uh, market and gave it to another franchise? Is that what you're saying? I'm just saying there's a lot of businesses that <laughs> went into the D.C. area. No, I hear you. You're right. But I mean, I would also come back and say, you know, I kind of downplayed the aspect of, you know, the given, I guess, income of this given area. But like I, I look up the census data uh, recently and it was uh, the metro- Baltimore metropolitan area was ranked fourth highest median household income in the United States is $66,970. Now, obviously, cost of living has to go in there, too. But, you know, there is money in this area to support um, this team. And also, 2.7 million people is nothing to sneeze at. So is it going to be the biggest metropolitan area? Absolutely not. Is it going to be 20 to 30th? Yeah. And if you look at, you know, Nashville or Portland or Charlotte, whatever it may be, Baltimore easily beats those given metropolitan areas quite easily. So everybody relax. The Orioles aren't going anywhere. Now, having said that, Scott, yes. I want to look to the future. Okay. Let's just let's just pretend. This is play pretend time. Okay. Okay. Let's pretend the Orioles and Major League Baseball have settled the mass in dispute. What whatever that settlement may be. Yep. I think it's ludicrous to pretend that Major League Baseball and the Orioles aren't at a tense moment in their relationship over this Masson thing. What are the differences in the relationship between Major League Baseball and the Orioles post Masson? So I still feel like uh, the team, as it were, will get into this conflict once again. Again, the, the decision was only solved through 2016. Again, the arbitration process is going to come Full steam ahead again uh, through 2017, 2018, 2019. In fact, the Orioles didn't pay the Nationals at all last year because they didn't have a methodology set. So I am still interested to see how it, it goes. Scotty, they're under audit. They can't. Uh, they, they can't, can't reveal it. They're under yeah, audit. I realize it's it it's prevents me from going ahead and and, and doing this. Huh. Um but yeah, I mean, I, I still think Major League Baseball is not going to be happy until the Nationals and the Orioles have two separate regional sports networks. Hmm. I think that's what's going to end up to be. It's going to have to be that for Major League Baseball to work in the same regard with the Orioles. I think if it was just easier to track. See, I think that the Orioles are purposefully um, trying to game the system. First of all, I don't think the Orioles know how to purposely game the system. (laughs) In baseball, I agree with you. In business, I'm not so sure. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think that the Orioles have maximized the profits that they can make on, on Masson so that they don't have to pay back a ton to the Nationals if they lose. I think that the advertisements that we're seeing on Masson are not simply a representation of the people that want want to uh, advertise with the Orioles. I think that they are lowballing themselves until this is disputed, or the, the dispute is resolved. And secondly, this whole mass and one, mass and two nonsense, you pointed out to me off mic a couple of weeks ago that the only reason that happens is so that it's more difficult to extract the Orioles versus the Nationals. I, Some I think, bit. Yeah. I, I think eventually you'll have mass and north and mass and south or whatever it is. Yeah. And even if the Orioles have a much smaller chunk of mass than they would prefer, they're still going to get some money from the Nationals. Sure. You know, which is fine. Yeah. I mean, in, in, in 
an aspect, the contract's the contract. It doesn't matter whether or not you, you know, brand a channel a certain thing or not. Um, and like I said, it's not that hard to go back and track the game numbers. I mean, I'm just looking forward to another All Star game. That's all. Yeah, I don't really want to see that right now. I want, no, no. I, I really don't want to have an All Star game where there are no Orioles in attendance at the home park. Ty Wigginson's got to be somewhere. I think Brian Roberts would have a better chance of coming out of the announcer booth and playing in the All-Star game. I like it. Yeah. I like it. All right. Well, Scotty, I think we have beat this to death. Uh, I, I'm a lot more relaxed now. Thank you. I will uh, go back to parading in the woods with little boys. Absolutely. Let's okay. uh, let's take a quick break and then talk about some actual baseball. We can do that. So we think there was baseball this past week. And, uh, well, I admitted last week that I missed every single game. Well e- done. Every single game. Uh, this week I did catch three games. Nice. So that was pretty good. Not all of them, but a, a good portion of them. Um, Jake, you were off being a, a, a Cub Scout or a Weeblow? Or I was something. You do Weeblow in American I University. something. <laughs> I actually watched two games. I watched two games uh, this past week yeah. in a very exciting fashion. It was a single admission doubleheader, which you know that I love. Yes, you do. Uh, this one, though, was in Chicago, which explains why I wasn't there. Uh, and there was some fun baseball to watch. Uh, first of all, let's just start with this. Uh, the 26th man uh, for the doubleheader was Anthony Santanda. Santanda. Who did everything that he could have possibly hoped to do. He hit a massive Massive doll. Just huge. Yeah. And it was funny because before the game, Brian, uh, Brian, Brandon Hyde had said that he was looking forward to seeing uh, Santander's bat and Who? His, his bat. Oh, I'm sorry. Santanda. Thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, and it showed up bigly. Big Lee. Um, I'm not sure that Anthony Santander will ever be anything. Excuse me? I'm not sure that Anthony Santander Thank you. will ever be anything. Uh, but if he can be a guy that's on this club occasionally and bring the boomstick, that that would be fun. Yeah, I think like uh, Anthony Santanda uh, would be my dumb and young candidate uh, for the 2019 Baltimore Orioles. All right. I like that. Yeah, not like much that. of anything, but an occasional big hit. Dear God, please don't be in right field yeah. very often, but, you know, keep swinging. I just want to see him Valley Park. <laughs> that's No? That's, that's very good. That's a very good possibility. Um, They, they won uh, game one, yep. and they lost game two. In dramatic style, blown lead in the ninth inning. I was excited, though. I was excited, and here's why. Um, When the Orioles lose, I get, don't be shocked, I get very negative very quickly. And one of the things I hate, hate, is watching the team just go through the motions, right? Team gets down by four runs in the second inning, and the rest of the game is just— Game's over. Yeah, the the rest of the game is just don't get hurt. sucks it's the worst baseball to watch so the fact that they came from behind in game one and took the game great i know the white Sox are not excellent but still it's a major league baseball club it's yeah. good to see in the second game they came from behind and they were leading the bottom of the ninth and i thought to myself wow we have the opportunity to sweep a double header this is gonna be fun um and then it happened it happened they brought in uh castro yeah as soon as you bring in Miguel Castro this season, you know what's happening. What happened? Um, bad things. They lost. Bad things happened. 
you know, Phillips started the bad things, but Castro finished the bad things. I I don't know what you do with Miguel Castro at this point, and I know you can't hide him, and I know you have to have somebody throw in the ninth, but goodness gracious, that was disappointing. 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 Uh, but Steve Wilkerson has been on the team for a little bit now. Yeah. Um, Playing center field. Is he Is he really? Yeah. And bunting. And bunting at that, too. Uh, Stevie Wilkerson has the the uh, pride and, and, and honor of almost being my son's favorite player uh, for some reason. I'm sorry. Yeah. Hen- Henry, Henry says that his favorite player is either Stevie Wilkerson or Richie Martin. Wow. <laughs> is he going for their position? I have no idea. Uh, but I have an apology to make to the Baltimore Orioles. Yeah. I have made a critical error. I have made a mistake. I okay. was critical of this. Don't be shocked. You're critical. I was critical of this team. After a loss? No. I was critical of this team uh, when they let go of Rule 5 draft pick uh, Drew Jackson. Okay. Because I said, you know, he is he could be a super utility player. Uh, I think that guy has a better chance of being on the team than Richie Martin. Uh, you know, that that was possibly the wrong move. I could not have been more wrong. Um, and this is why Stevie Wilkerson is Drew Jackson. I'm, I'm pretty sure that Stevie Wilkerson is the player that I was hoping that Drew Jackson could maybe become. So I will shut up and they were right. And I was not good. I'm glad that you finally made your mistake. <laughs> Let me ask you this, Scotty. Yeah. Uh, I, I am occasionally negative. Sure. But I am occasionally also hopeful. Okay. Maybe one would say too hopeful. Yep. And so I will ask you this. I need you to bring me down to earth. Sure. Am I allowed to be excited about John Means? Yes. Yes? Yes. Really? You can be a little excited over okay. John Means. Let's let's talk about how excited we can be. Can okay. I be Can I be Miguel Gonzalez excited? Yes. Wow. I'm really surprised. Yes. I'm surprised that you are 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 allowing this. Do you remember correctly? I said early, first. I think it was the first week of the season when uh, he whiffed the Yankees multiple times. I said John Means is my Richard Blyer breakout yeah, candidate this it, year. You did. You said that. What What is it about? The thing is that I mean, at this point, it really looks like he can pitch, right? Because his stuff is not impressive. Yes. But you look at the swings and misses that he gets on, like an 82 mile an hour changeup. Great, great whiff weight. And you think to yourself, well, you are just going to get creamed the next time that guy comes up. Yep. But he has managed to to keep them off the board most times. Yep. I think they may have stolen a pitcher here. I think so, too. I think that they've got something kind of—we'll see how the innings go with him since, again, he's been bouncing between relief pitching and starting pitching. But, uh, yeah, I I would put him in Miguel Gonzalez's excited territory. Okay. Get, my, that was my next question. I'm glad you said that because I, I wonder if he's going to be able to stick as a starter, one, this season because True. of the, the fatigue. But, two, also, can he be a starter in this league? Yeah. Um, I don't know if he can be a starter in this league. Um, I think he could be an opener. How about that? Ooh. Okay. I, I choose in, in the Choose Your Own Adventure book yeah. of this season, I've decided that John Means is going to become the undeniable Rookie of the Year candidate. Okay. Um, he is going to become the next exciting left-handed pitcher for the Baltimore Orioles. Okay. We are going to trade him to the Seattle Mariners okay. for the um, 
cornerstone pieces of the next great dominant Orioles franchise. Gotcha. So, so I am Eric Bedard excited about John Means. Okay, so you're calling him a potential rookie of the year candidate so far this season. Absolutely. Okay. Um, no, no, not so far this season. I mean, by the end of the season. His best is yet to come, Scott. Okay, so it's still coming. Oh, yes. um, But he's not quite there just yet. Exactly. Um, so um, last I checked, mm-hmm. uh, there's this kid called Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Never heard of him. Okay, just want to make sure that we had never heard of him. Um, but yeah, I, I'm excited about John Means. I, I don't, like I said, I put him in Miguel Gonzalez territory. Um, he could also potentially fall into the Miguel Castro trap. Don't you ever say that again. Yeah, Bob. I actually think he's got better stuff than Miguel Castro. Sure. So uh, I'm going to put him in the Miguel Gonzalez, Gonzalez camp. I think he's a great fist starter. And that's why I said I would consider him to be an opener. Um, and that'll kind of mediate some of his innings and allow him to pitch when necessary. Dude, if it, you know, we're talking again here on May 6th. He's in the top of the eighth against the Red Sox. If he can give us 5.2 innings every fifth day as the fifth starter, that is a coup. That is a steal. I'll take that any day for a guy that was not, you know, greatly heralded. Uh, so, yeah, John Means, I, I'm I'm excited. By the way, that's Paul Fry in the top of the eighth, but I know he's a lefty. I was doing so well. Yeah, but seven innings pitched tonight uh, on a Monday evening. Only three hits, one earned run, and four strikeouts. So, whoa. No, 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 no. No. If I can declare John Means a, uh, a rookie of the year candidate, I'm going to turn Paul Fry into John Means. Okay. Poof. Done. All right. Sounds good. What was in this leftover market? The means justify the end. No. 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 I do appreciate the the means puns. All right. Well, uh, let's go ahead and dabble over to Fantasy Boss and find out who owned it this week. Scotty, I'm, I'm confused. Yes. This does not sound like Gwen Stefani and Brian Setzer. It's not. Uh, that's because you lost this week, Jake. That that doesn't check out. That uh, doesn't. This is Fantasy Boss, right? This is Fantasy Boss. Uh, we chose the category of dongs uh-huh, this uh-huh. past week. Yeah, that I remember. Yeah. Uh, Dwight Smith Jr. had a solo home run. Oh, good for him. Okay, uh, yeah. I picked him. Uh, you picked Crush Davis. Um, wait, wait, I picked who? Crush Davis. That person is not on this team this year. Uh he is. He just doesn't play like Crush Davis. Yeah, I picked Chris Davis. How did Chris Davis do this? Uh, he had zero home runs as well. Are you sure? Can yeah. you check that again? Uh, I just did. Let me just... 15 plate appearances, uh, 33 weighted runs created plus. You know how good he was like last week? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he came back to earth. What if I wanted him to be that good in my heart? Um, what you should have done is you should have picked Steve Wilkerson, who had one home run. Drew Jackson. I think, or, I think you mean Drew Jackson. Or Anthony Santanda. That actually would have been a really good pick. <laughs> if I had known he was going to be If there, you would have known, would have. you would have gone that way. So, uh, Jake, I've got a proposition for you. Are you about to proposition me? I am about to proposition you. Okay. Uh, so I like, I like the dongs aspect. And I think uh, 
I think everyone plays this game of like who's going to hit the home run this evening and stuff like that. But I'd like to do it a little bit differently with you. You would like to do the dong a little differently. I'm listening. So uh, how about this for Fantasy Boss going forward? Why don't we each pick four players and we'll do a multiplier effect. So the first player that each would basically be times one. The second player times two. The third player times three. And times four would be your wild card, which, again, someone could pick, you know, a Dwight Smith Jr. who's red hot in the first pick. But if you think, you know, maybe an individual like, oh, I don't know, Rio Ruiz is your dark horse candidate for the week, then if he hits one home run, it actually equals four home runs. Okay. I think I see where you're going with this. Yeah. But let me ask you this. Yeah, there's math involved. Yeah. Uh, you, you already know I'm in trouble, so I'm going to try to turn this into liberal arts. Um, can we overlap on players? Uh, no. Yeah. Okay. How about, can we overlap on two players? Yes. Okay. So two distinct players, and we can share up to two. Yes. Okay. I, I, think, I think I can live with that this year, but I don't know. Is anybody ever going to hit another home run again on this team? Oh, absolutely. No question about it. All righty. So we need to go with Dong. Now, how are we going to, how are we going to, uh, pick this? Is it going to be like back and forth? Back and forth. Is there a draft system? Yeah, that's why I was kind of going with the draft system. So we didn't basically pick the same person, but then you wanted to throw water on that. Of course I did. Yeah. I throw water on everything there is. Yep. Okay, so uh, I lost, so I get to go first, yep. clearly. Mm, this is trouble. This is trouble, Scott, and this is trouble. All right, well, we've got to go with our our plus one. So first level. Yep, first level would be your obvious pick. I'm going to go with Renato Nunez. All right, so you're going to go with Renato Nunez as your number one pick. Been a little chilly. I'm thinking he'll uh, he'll climb back into it. All right. I'm going to go with uh, the obvious one, which would be Jonathan VR. Jonathan Trade Value. Yeah. VR. 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 Okay. VR. Uh, my second selection. Yeah. Numero dos. Yep. Pedro Severino. All right. Uh, numero dos for me is going to be Dwight Smith Jr. That's a good one. That's a good one. So now I have Jonathan VR and Dwight Smith Jr. I have Renato Nunez and Pedro Severino. Yep. For my third pick, I don't know about the strategery here. Going to go with Trey Mancini. Boom, boom. Good choice. I'm hoping it's boom, 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 to yeah, be honest. It's going to be nice. It's going to be nice. Uh, for the threefer, uh, I'm going to go ahead and, uh, you know what? I'm going to go for it. I'm going to pick up the crusher, I Chris knew Davis. It. I knew the crusher was coming out. Um, yeah. So this is the the grand multiplier. This is the this grand is multiplier. The, times four. This is the grand dong. Um, so... A smart person. Yes. Since we, we can overlap. A smart person would take Dwight Smith Jr. Yep. That's the smart pick. Yep. Am I a smart person? No. Okay. I'm going to go with Rio Ruiz. All right. Uh, and since we can overlap, I'm going to take Boom Boom Trey Mancini. That's the right yeah. move. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, f- I figured you were holding them off to the end, but uh, I I think 
Rio Ruiz is uh, is going to hit. It's going to uh, come through this this week for you. I do. Okay. I do. Uh, well, I've got the uh, list down, so we're good. Oh, you, it's a good thing you wrote them down because you have no recollection. Me remembering things is not, would not have been good. No, no, not, so no good. not at all. Uh, and we will see who will own uh, this this week in fantasy balls. Fantasy balls got complicated this week. It was numbers and everything, but Man. we'll see how this goes. Maybe it'll kind of uh, flip the script, as it were, in terms of fantasy balls. But again. We get to count all the dongs all night long. Oh, yeah. And with that, let's go ahead and get into a little good, the bad, and uh, there was a lot of ugly. That's right. It's time again for the good, the bad, and the ugly. Who was good? Who was bad? Who was ugly? Well, I'm so glad you asked. We'll tell you. Let me start with my good, Dylan Bundy. Dylan Bundy had a heck of a game, and there were four games this week, so it's all small sample size. Smaller than usual. Dylan Bundy, 7.1 innings pitched with three hits. Scattered three hits, a walk, and a hit by pitch over those 7.1 with four uh, strikeouts to show for it. Give me more of that. I like that, Dylan Bundy. I'm going to give mine to Brandon Klein, getting his first win, the local Frederick boy, coming up to the majors, finally getting it done. So Brandon Klein, again, two innings pitched, nine Ks per nine. Again, got a little lucky with a little bit of Babbitt, but ultimately, well done, kid. Way to get your first win. I'm a sucker for that story. Sure. My bad this week goes to Dan Straley. Why? What? What? What is? What is he doing here? Uh, Four point one innings pitched, five hits, three walks, five earned runs against only two strikeouts. I know somebody's got to pitch, somebody's got to eat up the innings, but oof! I can now see why this guy was released from the the Marlins, the Marlins of all places. My bad's going to go to Joey Rickard. Posted a negative eight weighted runs created plus, and worst of all. Can't even play center field, so we've got to throw folks like Stevie Wilkerson out there. Joey Rickard, you're bad. Uh, My ugly goes to the rain, and not just because it made camping a little bit miserable. No, with a team expected to be historically bad, it's hard to imagine that I could be disappointed about not being able to watch an Orioles game, but I do find myself disappointed. I There is clearly something wrong with me. This is two lonely guys radio talking. I do hate rainouts. So my ugly for this week is the rain. Blame it on the rain. Jake, my ugly for this week is going to go to boom, boom, Trey Mancini. Posted a 53.8% K rate this past week in 13 plate appearances. Oof. Good for an 11 weighted runs created plus. I love me some boom, boom. Had some really rough games here. Again, only played in three games. But, you know, if this tendency continues on, and again, he's posting 50% K rate, maybe it's time for Trey Mancini to take a little break and rest up and let some other players play. Yeah, he's really holding some people back from... Absolutely. No question about it. Like Steve Wilkerson. <laughs> Stevie Wilkerson. Team, St- I'm, you team know Steve. I'm Team Stevie. I'm definitely Team Stevie. I think, by, by the way... I'm just gonna. I'm gonna ruin this. I'm gonna start uh, 
tweeting out pictures of Stevie Nicks when Stevie Wilkerson does things well. Oh, thanks. That's not what I wanted to see whatsoever. <laughs> can we uh, blow the save? Yeah, we can do that. How is Stevie Nicks not blowing the save? I don't know. She's like the white winged dove. All right, Scotty, I uh, I missed something huge this okay. week. Huge. 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 Uh, I was delighted to see a rare Wednesday occurrence of the alternate black jerseys on our very own Baltimore Orioles away in Chicago for one of the games of the uh, the doubleheader. I was like, oh, that's nice. Usually it's just Friday. I, I'm surprised it took me until, you know, inning three or four or whatever to notice that. Uh, but little did I notice, I think it was uh, Luke Jones that, that pointed out to me, the Orioles were wearing their black jerseys with the correct hat. The Orioles were wearing the black jerseys with the black away, orange-brimmed, smiling bird logo hat. That's a pretty awesome. Well, it, it is pretty awesome. But it's incredibly awesome in the fact that it meant that they were not wearing the O's logo hat, which I am desperately, desperately against. So uh, to the Baltimore Orioles, I tip my smiling bird cap at you. I love me some orange on black jerseys, but I love it even more with the away hat. That is a good look, and you guys need to keep that up. In fact, just retire the O's logo cap. Burn it. Wear the wear the smiling bird all the live long day. And that, that is our show. Remember, you can find this and our entire catalog of indispensable episodes at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. Bird's Eye View is available for download wherever it is you get your podcasts. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Spotify, and many others. Please remember to rate and review the show. We appreciate the feedback and encourages other people to listen for the first time to two lonely guys in their basement. Come get social with us. You can email us at contact at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com like if you want to give us your fashion advice for the Orioles. Or tell us how to pronounce Jonathan VR. You can also find us on social media on Instagram, Facebook, and Snapchat, but the best way to get a hold of us is on Twitter where we tweet at birdseyeviewbal. And with that, that... Baltimore and beyond, I will bid you a fond adieu adieu. Good night, Baltimore. Be safe out there. Get your ish together. And let's go O's. You know, I'm so glad that you and I sit down on a Monday evening to do this with pretty much no show notes. And we managed to put out nearly an hour's worth of content in order to engage the audience that listens to us. You're not looking at this the right way. Yeah. I'm proud of the fact that it's an indistinguishable of when we prepare and when we don't. Am I? This is why we are Baltimore's podcast. I thought that's why we're too Live lonely. your life like you do the team. I thought we were just two lonely guys. In a basement. still here? It's over. Go home. Go.